This is Ken Forster, Executive Director of Momenta Partners and Momenta Ventures. Welcome to our Digital Leadership Podcast. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry practitioners. We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 102 of our Digital Leadership Podcast produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. Today, I'm pleased to introduce Ashtat Engineer, Head of Technology, Energy, and VP of Tech and Digitization at Adani Group. A $12 billion infrastructure conglomerate with interests in ports and logistics, power generation and transmission, renewable energy, gas distribution, and agricultural products. Ashtad is a lifelong digital industry leader, having led strategic sales and partner ecosystems at my home and modern Wonderware during its ownership by Invensys and later Schneider Electric. Prior, he led the SAP manufacturing systems practice for Tata Consulting Services and worked in consulting with Rockwell Automation. Ashtad, welcome to our Digital Industry Leadership Podcast. Thank you very much, Ken. I appreciate it. Very excited to be here. It's uh, well uh, well past the time to have you on this, and I appreciate the fact that we finally were able to uh, to pull it together. So first of all, um, I, I, I uh, since I often mention that Momenta loves engineers, I have to greatly appreciate anyone who features <laughs> this as part of their proper name. So uh, so you know, for whatever part you had in actually taking that uh, as a proper name, well done. Um, but let's start with your professional journey. Tell us a bit about your background and how it has informed your views of digital industry. So um, I would say my journey is kind of like an S95 model. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I chose the S95 model is, you know, starting from control systems, which you know really fascinated on, on how real-time control works uh, during the PLC days, um, really understanding how machines work. And then being able to um, really see that working and, and the whole boom of, uh, you know, software coming into late 90s and early 2000 really propelled the thinking of, you know, what happens to information after it's generated at that level? Okay, you know, uh, let's see what happens um, a level above. And this whole operations management space, um, you know, started becoming very interesting because now you really started to understand how decisions are made, how things are made, and the processes, uh, you know, governing that. And then when you go all the top, on, onto the top, you actually have an understanding of, uh, you know, the business processes and the whole shop to top has been, I would say, close to 25 years. You know, I've been in the industry. It's, it's constant throughout. So, uh, you know, digital today is, is just an accelerator, I would say. But I think the fundamental things about the processes um, and its associated um, uh, planning, control, execution and closing off the loop. So if you really look at, um, you know, the background of, you know, closing the loop in terms of sense and respond and being able to do that, the closing of the loop happens at every uh, step in the enterprise, right from the control systems to operations management and then to you know, the business systems is, you know, you've got a planning component, you've got an execution component and you've got a feedback control component. And today, you know, digitization is all about bringing that together 
on a convergent path uh, to be, you know, able to solve uh, business outcomes and challenges. So, you know, the uh, and I often sometimes, you know, uh, you know, say that, hey, you know, uh, having the name and the degree you know, allows me to um, uh, see things uh, in a holistic manner. Yeah, I love that. Um, I guess looking at your formal education and great control systems education as it is, uh, and then of course all of the work you've done in um, uh, I'll call it you know large leaders, if you will, in industrial automation and control systems. Um, what what inspired you to really come into this space early on? So as a um, as a kid, I always uh, you know saw my father. By the way, my father is uh, a very well-respected uh, you know, individual in the, the whole design and electronics R&D space. So um, look, seeing my father right from childhood, um, really you know, putting it out there in terms of technology, that really excited me. And the, the whole thing about science on, on the why aspect of why this thing works, you know, the way it works, that really got me thinking into really taking on to the control systems, uh, you know, aspect. And, you know, uh, it was it was necessarily excited that, you know, things which you can do, the the results are immediately seen. So, for example, when I was programming my first PLC, you could actually see, you know, a, an embedded control, uh, you know, working and you can actually see your logic not working in a virtualized environment like you have runtimes on Visual Studio where you run, yeah, when you run and compile a project, but when you actually, you know, uh, take a PLC and, and program it. And that's really, you know, that really got me thinking and, and uh, think about the control systems because, you know, in college and all that, we had, you know, the very first generations of that day, you know, uh, Rockwell, Alan Bradley, um, and, and we tinkered with that. So that really got me fascinated into real-time control. Hmm. I remember one of my uh, first control systems experiences, and this was at uh, Lockheed Missile in Space, and it was a large processing facility. And literally, we set up a Wonderware system, we put a touch screen on it, and uh, it was talking with a PLC. And I had somebody come in and actually try it and, uh, and you know, kind of hits the button on it. And the color didn't change on it because we hadn't got that far into programming it. <laughs> and literally, there's this 500 horsepower pump in that you can, or a motor that you can hear off in the distance whining up and he hits it again and hits it again and you hear and of course it finally blows the breaker <laughs> on it but you realize the power that that, power. that yeah. this when 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 the kind of the atomic meets the the digital if you will and how these things come together and so I laugh and maybe this is the old guy in me I laugh when people show me hey look I'm blinking a light on Arduino over the internet well let me tell you my story son <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know, I, 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 that that power inspired me as it sounds like it did you as uh, as well and as I mentioned, a lot of that came out of uh, out of uh, uh, you know the early days at Wonderware. So uh, I was there along with one of our advisory partners, uh, Jesse DeMesa, back in the early '90s, actually, when the company was pre-IPO and still about 100 people. I think they were arguably the first really significant company to drive what you know called the integration of the information technology and operational technology, or IT and OT, uh, together via this you know kind of human machine interface. They called it at the at the time a product called InTouch. Uh, how did you see this market leadership continuing during, you know, the, you, you were there almost 10 years, I believe, with them. Um, yes. 
Yes, and and uh, you know it's it's like you know Wonderware is to the OT world as SAP is to the ERP world. You know, uh, and, and every that? control every controls engineer. I mean, if you've not played it, Wonderware. I mean, it's like what <laughs> Wonderware you know touched. Uh, I mean, it was it was uh, it was a part and parcel of uh, the controls engineers, you know, toolkit, yep. and the 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 whole visualization. I compared just that to Apple. I mean, if you really see, you know, what's the? I mean, you you got Apple phones, but you know, the whole systemic user interface design, which Wonderware really created, it was the Apple of manufacturing. It, it uh, you know, of user interface. I mean, you call it HMI, you call it whatever names you want to do, but it's the whole human systemic interaction which made it easy for operations. And operations is a, such a crucial aspect today, uh, you know, uh, of, of any organization, be it manufacturing, big infrastructure operations. So uh, I think the, the leadership position maintained by, um, you know, Wonderware uh, was, was really out of the box thinking. And the whole concept of being, you know, modeling your uh, assets uh, in real time and contextualizing. And people, people understand today the whole context and, and, and contextualization of data. Um, you know, uh, the, the, the whole thing propelled where you were able to contextualize and ingest data on a model. And they pioneered that with their, with their user interface. I mean, I think that that leadership position today is, is unmatched in the industry. And, and during my, my time, uh, you know, there were, there were acquisitions uh, made, but the most notable acquisition was of a workflow product. Um, and, if you really see mid mid uh, to uh, two thousand and and the end, it all started really becoming workflow. Now you know the the whole aspect of of business workflows, as you know, you know BPMN and all all those stuff at the enterprise layer, but manufacturing and operations really you know required something where you had human systemic interaction, and what better is to complement. The, uh, the operations management system with uh, a, a human systemic workflow where the, uh, the operations guys could actually interact with different systems with the channels and the form of communications which they're already used to. Like for example, Outlook. You could you could you know you could you could you could create workflows right into your Outlook mailbox or you could you could take workflows and operations management workflows and 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 push it out to the channels like um, you know the chat channels so that really you know propelled uh, a new way of information management especially at the operations space and if you re- really look at today and 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 like 10 years back you know, operations modeling has always been an afterthought. So if you look at the score models, you know, you have KPIs very well-defined starting from level one, two, and three. But when it comes down, there are no standard way of KPIs. And that is where, you know, it's interesting about when people talk about best practices, okay? Yeah, you know, you could have best practices, but best practices for, you know, one of the customers and one of the, you know, manufacturers is completely different even if you make the same product, because that's how operations is. And getting down into operations has always been a real challenge, um, you know, uh, today. And I think the, the solving of the digital problem is if you are able to solve your operational workflows and the movement of data out there, 
you are really getting somewhere in, in digital can. That's that's my firm belief. Hmm. You've you've actually been a perpetual thought leader um, from from your days there at uh, at uh, Schneider and Wonderware and, and going on. I uh, and I, I love what you just described because I think part of that was captured in uh, some original work you did. Uh, what was it called? The vision of the perfect plant coordination, planning, execution, integration, and intelligence. And you wrote that what in two thousand eight. More recently, you, I think you wrote a white paper for the World Economic Forum on cyber resilience in the uh, in the electricity ecosystem. I, I guess as I think about, it, and I know you've written other things as well. In some sense, those titles kind of describe the changing view of um, really plant floor systems, or as you say, these, you know, kind of operational systems in that sense. How has the definition of, you know, the perfect plant changed over the, you know, the time that you've been writing these? Oh, yeah. So, uh, you know, so for the, uh, for the book, uh, you know, I had co-authored two chapters of the perfect plant, and that was a, and, and that's really the time where we were really seeing the the, the real timeness of, um, and 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 that point the supply chain, you know, you had the you know advanced planning and optimization, but really to get real time data on 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 being able to reconfigure your 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 inventory plans, you required that that real time data, and you know fast forwarding it with the with the cybersecurity, you know, uh, very honored to have represented my company, uh, we were part of a big. Uh, you know, a working group committee where, where I contributed to, to the white paper. But it really, um, you know, looking at, you know, cybersecurity uh, in the whole supply chain, you cannot, you know, look at cybersecurity today um, alone as an organization. And if you really, if you really see what has changed over time. So um, big data. And I often say, you know, uh, the the biggest influence today, you know, started with with big data, and and the reason I say that is because if you if you compare big data and transaction data, you know, big data is all all about understanding the meaning behind the transaction data, and that today um, with the advent of IoT, where you have this whole collection of million data points, you are really required to understand that. And, and and today, you know, people don't realize that everyone today is part of operations, whether they realize it or not. Digital is all about business operations. So this whole concept about um, being perfect. So if you really look at the, the age-old consulting thing, like as is to be, I would say there there isn't any to be today. There is no target reference rate because of the pace in technological advancement. You there is there is there is no constant to be. You have to be able to constantly look, validate your processes. You have to constantly look at, um, you know, agility. When I say agility, could I do a business process change today, which would be effective, uh, you know, three months into production and out to the business rather than the age-old six to eight month or a year process? So. That is where the the perfectness of of either an operation or a manufacturing you know supply chain the perfectness comes in really adapting to the changes and classic example today is COVID post COVID today you know operations need to be either rigid and a different way of working different way of doing things you know decoupling and remoteness that is where you really require the digital so in that sense. 
um, you know, the, the same principles, you know, 10 years back are applicable today, but in the context of, of digital, uh, you have to be, the perfectness doesn't have to be static. It is dynamic at every instant as, as, we, as, we, as we walk today. And that is where I see it. It's, it's an interesting perspective, the no-to-be. In some sense, you could almost say it's a perpetual to-be uh, in the sense that you're always agile and you're always going to be adjusting, if you will, toward you know what the, the ideal state is, right, in some sense. Ideal so. state, and that is where the whole DevOps, DevOps movement with the whole containerization comes in, that now, mm. now technology and IT – yeah, I mean, uh, you cannot blame you cannot blame IT today, but there are there are technology inventions today which are leading it into agile agility. And what is agility today? If a CEO says he wants to rejig, say, a supplier process, or if he wants to rejig on how manufacturing is done, um, by the time we we look at you know process interventions and technology interventions, what's the time? to value to deliver that. With age-old technology, the time to deliver and value would be like one year. Today, it, it could be three months or four months and that could cost, that is your competitive advantage. Mm. We've we've often observed on this podcast that digital industries, we like to call it, is driven in part by the virtualization of OT systems. So you can think about it this way, industrial IoT, as we call it, really is about virtual OT or the virtualization of OT, mm -hmm. such that um, if you think about the internet and cloud computing, you know what happened in, in IT over the last uh, two decades has been the virtualization of traditional data centers, if you will, into uh, SaaS and cloud services, right? To what degree do you believe this progress in, in IT is driving the kind of this, you know, I'll call it you know, perfect plant uh, or the, the perpetual to be, if you will, of, uh, of OT systems development? Oh, this is a great, uh, <laughs> this is, and this is one of uh, uh, what we have been thinking internally in our organization. Uh, but to me, um, people are already, uh, you know, doing virtualization. See, virtualization the whole, the whole, you know, BPO industry, IT has been virtualized, and that's really, you know, got into the whole hyper-converged infrastructure and, and architecture with, with technologies like software-defined networking. Coming down to where we are, there's really virtualization. You still have, and you know, uh, today, if you really, I'm coming from the industrial automation world. You know, there are still soft PLCs, you know, applicable in machine shops. There are, you know, um, uh, Windows machines you, you're being used as for real-time control. How do you take this at scale? And, and today, the hyperscalers have been able to solve uh, somewhat of the problem um, in, in getting the response time down from, from seconds to, to milliseconds. And that is why if you see the investment today with all the hyperscalers, are being done at the edge. So at the uh, at the end of the day, I really do see progress of uh, this coming in um, uh, very rapidly to, to to this industry, and whoever disrupts this industry will be will be the the, the lead follower. So the the I mean I always say the million dollar question. You know, is it possible to implement control functionality? So for a controls engineer who's done you know PLC, DCS, and all that. And is it possible to implement the control functionality on the cloud, employing a cloud infrastructure as a service with a comparable performance guarantee as that of a dedicated hardware-based DCS or PLC? And 
you know, there are pockets of research today available where, you know, there are, you know, real-time virtualization engines, uh, you know, hypervisors, which are available, you know, low latency deterministic network connectivity. And uh, as as this space and the, the ecosystem within the space have to really figure out, you know, things which will help uh, customers, uh, you know, uh, you know, get there. So I would say, that's one of the big waves uh, in OT waiting to happen. And whoever, whoever figures that out uh, will, will really have the, the leader advantage. Ken. Yeah, yeah. We, we couldn't agree more in terms of you know, cloud coming down to the edge and how that is impacting what you might say is the you know, traditional IT, OT boundary. Do you believe that, and some people will call it an IT, OT gap, we've used that term as well. Do you believe that the future holds an IT, OT boundary or gap, or do you see that effectively disappearing as you truly go to, as, a, as I think you called it earlier, uh, from shop to top, right? Yes. So I would say the lines are blurring today. And the reason the lines are blurring today is being the convergence today is being fueled by uh, data analytics, uh, decision making, and most importantly, the whole um, I would I, I, joke, I, I say this often, it's the return of the nerds. And when I say it's the return of the nerds is, you know, we've been doing advanced process controls. We've been doing simulation models. But now at the breadth and depth of scale of AI and ML, that is really the driver for distributed federated control. Just imagine, I mean, today DCS, and, and, and that is where, you know, if we can think of, you know, autonomous control today happening, why would I want to do cabling and bring it all to my DCS? Why do I have to have a massive control rooms? You know, you can have OEMs for, for turbines or boilers or any process equipment have their edge controlling devices on containers and you hook it up to a master cognitive control systems sitting at a fog layer or at the cloud layer but ideally at the fog layer because then you have you know your traditional you know on prem stuff where you can do you know local time control but then you know give the training data to the cloud for for you to train your models just not for the asset and when I say cognitive, people, uh, I mean, just like, okay, you know, Ashton, what do you mean cognitive? I said, today, you know, all the predictive maintenance IoT use cases are revolved around a asset. You take that asset and you take that predictiveness and put it on the process in which the asset participates. That's where you start getting cognitive. And that's the real, you know, uh, beauty of the, of what I call the cognitive control system. So I would say, you know, five, six years down the line, this would be a reality, Ken. Hmm. You know, we have a uh, investment thesis that we call Brown is the New Green, and it effectively says <laughs> that uh, um, uh, Brownfield Applications is where the real money is at, right? Because nobody's going to rip and replace their PLCs and put Arduino boards in there, uh, at least not yet. But mm -hmm. that, in some sense, that overlay is that we'll invest in companies that what we we call it the three E's that will embrace, extend, and ultimately exterminate those systems that they're that they're laying on top of. And DCS is a, is a, is a good archetype for that. So mm -hmm. it's uh, mm -hmm. you know ultimately we see the same thing happening, but it just is, you know, it's never going to move at the speed of Silicon Valley or, or of enterprise no. IT, right? 
right? No, because there's really real re- processes, real lives, real people, real productivity mm-hmm. sitting mm-hmm. at the other end of it, right? Absolutely, and 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 always, if you see technology innovation, the 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 embracing of technology, rapid technology innovation happens, you know, comes out of a financial, you know. Market. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, I'll give you an analogy, like flash voice, right? The the whole the whole trading thing about trading stocks and you know getting your puts uh, into from a stock market. I mean, they they. I mean, if you if you think about real time control, they require millisecond responses for for them to trade, right? So, if that technology is is being developed. Uh, to 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 really you know cater to that segment easily you know millisecond and microsecond latency uh, architectures could be evolved down uh, for for control systems. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Um, the uh, um, the World Economic Forum we mentioned earlier they've they've recently used a term called the Great Reset and in several of our podcasts we've mentioned this um, in terms of referring to the long term impact of. COVID-19 pandemic. Um, given the kind of the futures discussion we just had, what do you see as the impact of this on really on the future of OT and your own current business? Yeah, so it, um, we we really see, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll just talk about, we really see uh, de-risking through decentralization and decoupling starts becoming, you know, very important. So, you know, if you see really um, for, for risk mitigation, companies might build a network of production facilities, leaving the long tradition of a single location, large-scale manufacturing. Off-site operations, you know, businesses will try to decouple on-site and off-site workers, workforce, right source enabled by technology for business operations and, and leverage service models for off-site functions. Uh, we're really seeing um, uh, employee monitoring you know, surveys and technology will be used to know if their employees are workplace safe, thereby reducing the dependency of operations on on such outbreaks. You know, um, and uh, automation and robotics—we're talking about that. But with social distancing becoming widespread, use of autonomous vehicles and robotics to reduce human-to-human contact is going to be very important. And I was talking about cognitive control systems. So the next generation of industrial control systems will be designed to leverage the whole AIML to enable remote operations and ensure you know, operational safety with minimal human involvement. So if you really, you know, can, if you really see from a uh, socioeconomic aspect of what does it really mean you know, from a digital you know, things, because today, um, uh, you know, take for instance, small businesses around the world uh, constitute around 40 to 60% of the GDP in most countries. Um, yet many are cut off from the digital economy today, right? How do we uh, as, uh, as, as customers, manufacturers or conglomerates just not look at what it's going to be from a COVID perspective? It's the whole supply chain of partners and the vendors you're dealing with and can we, can we take them along? So, for example, um, you know, uh, like for India, um, you know, uh, micro uh, uh, economics are going to be very, very important. So, for example, microgrids 
for local power generation through solar, wind, and batteries, enabling you know small-scale industries that just create jobs and provide electricity to homes, schools, hospitals, and and creating a self-sustaining ecosystem. Um, you know, micro education uh, with education tools accessible on mobile devices. You know, allowing schools to provide education without requiring and training of millions of teachers. So this whole thing about micro innovation, if you're able to figure that out, you already have the scale um, uh, sitting out there. And I think that that is where, you know, real innovation um, is is really going to, you know, talk about in, in, in terms of that. And that is why I, I again come back to why operational data is even more so important today than ever uh, in this whole guise of, uh, you know, uh, digital uh, journey. Okay. Mm. Micro innovation. There's a new term. I'll have to check if the uh, trademarks are available. I love it. <laughs> Pick up the domain before we publish this, right? That's a, that's a, that's a really good one. So, you yeah. know, of course, you know, we're digital industry investors. And uh, so we always like to ask the question, you know, in terms of recommendations of interesting startups. Um, from your perspective, who are the ones to watch uh, out there, at least in this digital industry space? Yeah, so I, I um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually following Kelvin. Kelvin is, uh, you know, an open industrial, you know, control system. They're, they're basically um, a very innovative, um, you know, company where they're really uh, having container-based approach to, uh, to, to control systems. That's, that's one startup. Another startup is Cognite, which is really, um, and again, I, I come back to operations operations data. Contextualizing operational data is, is, a, is a long sought after thing, uh, especially for, for digital practitioners and data practitioners uh, like myself. So taming of the, of the operational data in context with the enterprise data. So, you know, Cognite is another startup, um, um, you know, they, they have their past platform um, which, which I'm very, you know, uh, bullish about. And another cybersecurity company known as Sage, based out of, you know, California, they have actually very innovative, you know, blockchain-based um, uh, approach to identity access management down at the controller level. So, you know, uh, uh, and, and I'm convinced the, the investment in OT cybersecurity for the next five, six years is going to be tremendous because that is where um, a lot of efforts are, are, are being, I mean, I mean, you could see, you know, just you know, recently Microsoft bought CyberX and in this, you know, an Israeli-based startup for, you know, um, uh, IDS protection at, at, the, at the industrial control, you know, ICS layer. So I mean, these are the three ones that come to my mind. Um, uh, Ken, to, to really those work. are all yeah, those are great ones, and uh, <clears throat> our listening audience will appreciate that uh, we are investors in Zage, and so we featured uh, ah, okay. on a <laughs> webinar in the past actually. But uh, yeah. so good, good call on that one, and we have been looking at the other two as well. So uh, three great recommendations there: Kelvin, <laughs> Cognite, and Zage. So yeah. final question, closing. We always like to you know, provide, uh, see if you provide any recommendations or books or resources that, you know, that inspire you. Oh, so the AZ16Z podcast, that's one of my favorite podcasts, um, you know, um, of all times. Uh, that's what I, that's what I really look forward to. There are other podcasts on Spotify or 
or Pandora, which I really is the, the data skeptic and the data engineering podcast. Um, uh, because again, I, I, I do believe organizations, if they can understand their, their data, can really you know, have leapfrog advancements into their digital strategy. Another book which I really like is The Grid by Gretchen Baker. It talks about the whole, um, you know, the, uh, talks about the whole uh, grid in terms of uh, the energy future. A, a great book, uh, you know, to, to read. Um, another book, especially um, where I've, I've requested my team to read is Mindset by, by Carol uh, Dweck. Um, it is really uh, today, you know, operational excellence is a mindset that starts with an individual. I mean, technology can help you adapt, uh, Ken, but it's all about integrative thinking. You know, you know, uh, it's about hey, you know, don't copy the competition, but do adapt from other other industries. So, so really, it's it's uh, it's the how do you build that mindset and attitude. And another book, really, I would um, and is really which I like is Life 3.0 by Max uh, Tegmark. It, it's it's really understanding the, the the human you know aspect of uh, you know interaction with uh, artificial intelligence. Again, I mean those are pretty much my and you know books. And that nice, heavy reading. I like that. And you're the first to actually recommend the uh, AZ16 podcast, which I'm an avid listener to. As oh, as I'm an. Yeah, it's, it is. It is great. Believe me. <laughs> All right. Well, Ashad, thank you so much for your insights. It's always been a pleasure to talk with another engineer and uh, and especially you. <laughs> <laughs> and I get it all the time. Customs, immigration, you know, my, my driver's, you know, renewable of my driver's license, right? Every, I love I, it. I what, do you every. Do, what do you do for a living, Mr. Engineer? <laughs> <laughs> hey, and, 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 um, and I have my daughter becoming a doctor. So just go figure it out. She'll be called as oh, doctor. I love engineer. it. I love it. It's called, yeah, <laughs> medical technology, I guess. Doctor engineer. But love it. Doctor so. engineer. Yeah. No pleasure. So thank you so much yeah, for no, having it's, me. It's, Oh, absolutely. No, we've uh, we've really been pleased. So this has been Ashtad Engineer, Head of Technology, Energy, and VP of Technology and Digitization at the Adani Group. And uh, I'm, I'm, as I say, a lifelong cognitive digital industry leader. So thank you for listening. And please join us next week for episode 104 of our Digital Leadership Podcast Series, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. Thank you. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Leadership Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the discussions. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of prior podcasts, webinars, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening. <laughs>